Sabonis brought it to him. You're listening to the All Pacers Pod, a podcast for Pacers fans, by Pacers fans. I'm your host, Jack, and today I'm joined by Sal. How's it going, Sal? It's going great. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And we're going to have a ton to talk about today as far as the trade deadline goes. And that's really all we're going to talk about because for the first time that I can remember, the Pacers were a real player in the trade market, at least during the trade deadline. So, man, I'm so stoked for what the Pacers did. And before we get into it, if you're listening right now, be sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast listening platform you're listening to right now, listening on right now. And be sure to subscribe, like, go to our Instagram, comment, whatever. I mean, things are getting live right now. You don't want to miss out on what's happening in this community, the All Pacers community. And that leads us now into what has been going on with the Indiana Pacers. And Sal, I'm going to let you give your first initial reactions to everything that's happened this past, what, four days? Yes. So it seems like Herb Simon has given Kevin Pritchard the keys. He's finally unleashed one of the better GMs in the league to finally be able to make his own decisions and do his job. Um, it seems like the Pacers have went for a full-on youth movement. I think we've made about four trades, uh, which is probably more trades that we've done since to like more trades have happened since I became a fan four years ago. That makes sense. This is the most trades we've done in a year combined yeah, that with makes the sense. past. Yeah, okay. And um, it's crazy for me at least because I've never experienced this team make so many moves and I'm really happy with uh, how we're doing it, who we're acquiring, and kind of what direction we want to head in. Yeah, and if you don't know what's happened as far as the trades go for the Pacers, I'm going to walk through it right now. And Sal, if you want to throw in any details as we go, because I just have like the basics for these trades. So the first trade we made was three days ago, I believe, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. We sent Karis LeVert and a second for Ricky Rubio, who's out with a torn ACL and he's on an expiring deal. We get a lottery protected 2022 first and then two future seconds. The lottery protected is just us hoping that the Cavs make the playoffs this year and then we'll get their draft pick. And uh, I guess if they miss it, then it'll roll over to another first or future seconds, somehow, whatever. This was basically to get off the Karis LeVert deal, get an expiring contract, and save some money for the future. At least that's how I'm looking at it. I don't. What are your thoughts with that one? Well, I'm happy. Like we get like projected. What was it like? Twenty fifth pick which I'm not mad about. I mean, like you can get some good talent at that spot in the draft. We got Isaiah Jackson at 22. Um, this draft I think is pretty good. And uh, especially if we want to be a young team, why not take some shots at uh, a guy that is in the draft and he's probably like, he could be a teenager. So um, yeah, I'm happy with this move. Uh, Karis Levert, um, his market in the league wasn't very high due to the fact that Norman Powell actually got traded a couple of uh, days before. And a guy like Norman Powell is on the same tier as Karis Levert in terms of value to a team. So we saw Norman Powell get traded for, I don't even know, did they get one first round pick there? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think remember. they did, right? It was, no, it was Keon Johnson and a second round pick. That's so it was. wasn't even a first round pick. So I think I'm happy with getting a lottery protected pick for Karis. And we're going to get the pick because the Cavs won't be in the lottery. Uh, and Ricky Rubio, um, he's not going to be with us. He's never going to play a game for the Pacers. I don't think so. 
So, um, yeah. Oh, and to add on, um, that Houston pick, the 2022 Houston pick, which is this year, the second round pick, since Houston is so bad, that's realistically like a, the 33rd pick in the draft, which is also pretty cool for Karras. That's right. I forgot about that. So, yeah, talking about Ricky Rubio real quick, he is definitely not going to play for us under the contract that he's on right now. I don't know if we'll resign and we don't see into the future. But as of now, Ricky Rubio is not a, really a pacer and won't be a pacer in the near future as at least like being on court as a pacer. Um, and then Levert versus Norm Powell. Basically, all I would say is Levert's bigger and a better shot creator. So I think he does have more value. And that's what we saw in this trade, at least for what we got as a return. Um, and I think we probably nailed it. This is probably the best, uh, package we could have gotten saves us money for the future allows us, you know, room for Duarte and Halliburton who we got a couple days later, which we're going to talk about in a second, but it gives them space to grow. We, you know, don't have Karis Levert there as, as much as I hate to say it as a ball stopper, um, and, gives you know our young core opportunity to grow together and uh get some reps in so i'm all about this trade i think it was the best move possible and me as well yeah the the real bummer is when you go down the line from where it started the oladipo to what it is now kind of a bummer like what we got as a return for oladipo especially with how good he was before that ruptured quad but i mean i think this team with what we have right now like this package that we got for Karis LeVert is a uh, easy and quick and safe fit with um, this core going forward let's move on to the next trade which was two days later and this is the the biggest trade the Pacers made since probably Paul George for Sabonis and Oladipo and crazy enough this one includes two-time all-star Demonis Sabonis and that is the Sacramento Kings with the Pacers we sent Two of your two, your two favorite players, Sal. Yes. Sabonis, Justin Holiday, plus Jeremy Lamb. And we got Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. What are your thoughts on that one? So I'm on the way home from school, which is, uh, if you don't know, I'm in, the, in grade 12. And uh, I'm driving home. Just about to get home. And my phone's blowing up as I'm in the car. My music stops. I'm on the aux. And um, I'm getting a call from my best friend. And um, I op- I answer him when I'm driving. And uh, and he's like, Sabonis just got traded. I'm like, what? Uh, I thought I thought Miles Turner was for sure out on the way. And um, I mean, I was really surprised when he mentioned the name Tyrese Halberton because this man was deemed off the market by the Kings just the day prior. And he thought he was off the market. And... Uh, Getting Tyrese Halliburton for Sabonis is an absolute steal. Um, sure, Kings fans are really excited. I'm now a part-time Kings fan, so um, it's cool to see Sabonis in a new place. Uh, it was really weird watching his debut yesterday. But uh, getting Tyrese Halliburton is going to change the franchise. I think he's the next big face of the Pacers. Could be the biggest face since Paul George. And uh, Tyrese's potential is through the roof. I think he's a multi-multi-time all-star. Uh, somewhere between five and ten all-star appearances I could realistically see for him. And uh, I think he's a great player, and I think it's totally he is totally going to change the narrative around the Indiana Pacers. I love it. So he's six foot six, long arms, great at blocking the three-point shots, like 
active on defense. Fits really nicely next to Chris Duarte going forward. Uh, shooting 41% from three this season. Had 17 assists the other night. And, and in the press conference, I guess he didn't shoot super well. And just, you know, he's a high-character player. I mean, high-character guy in general. You know, like, talked about his teammates first and foremost in that interview. Said he had a bad game, which he didn't. He had 17 assists. But, like, by all accounts, this dude's high-character uh, the team, the Sacramento Kings, I mean, other than wanting to trade him, I think they just love Sabonis so much, but the city of Sacramento loved him for, you know, at who he was, like always has that big smile on his face. And um, I know this was devastating for the Kings fans to lose the fan, really the fan favorite player of that team. And now he has somehow found his way to the Pacers and I couldn't be more excited. So I agree with everything you said. Um, and... I got to say, like, him, Duarte, and I, I, I don't even know who else is in our core going forward. I guess maybe Isaiah Jackson. Yeah. But, I mean, at least it's a great starting point having Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton and Chris Duarte going forward. So, I mean, I think this is best-case scenario, especially, like, we're on pace for a top-five pick now, too. Mm -hmm. And like, man, if we just lose more than some of these teams below us right now in the standings, because we're not far ahead of anyone, like we could have Chet Holmgren or uh, Paolo Banchero in our sights here very soon. And I mean, that's something I feel like we're on that Memphis Grizzlies trajectory right now. You know, like we got our jaw in Tyrese Halliburton and I don't, I guess Jaron Jackson kind of like that number two guy, Duarte could be that. And then like number three, like if we can just get that young, big man, this team could be something in a few years. So I'm so stoked. I don't think I've been this excited since Oladipo blew up as a Pacer in what, 2017, mm -hmm. 2018. So yeah, it's a good time to be a Pacers fan. And it probably like, we're probably at such a high right now because this season sucked in, uh, I, I haven't loved being a Pacers fan this year. I'd never quit, obviously, but it's, I mean, it hasn't been a fun year. So, uh, exciting times. I'm sure you agree with me, right? Mm -hmm. Halliburton's only 22 years old. Well, actually, he's 21 right now, but he turns 22 on February 29th or something, 22nd. I can't remember. But, um, and not only with Tyrese Halberton, uh, we got Buddy Heald as well, another valuable asset that we can't really dismiss as Pacers fans. He's on a three years, about $60 million deal, and um, tons of contenders want Buddy Heald. Uh, I'm okay with keeping him for the rest of the season, at least maybe looking around for offers in the offseason. But uh, Buddy Heald's a great guy to have. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. Maybe not this season. He's having a little bit of a down year. But uh, Buddy Heald is a great guy to have on your team. And... Um, He's probably the best shooter the Pacers have had uh, and I don't know how long. Well, Doug McDermott a couple years ago, maybe last mm. year. It's probably pretty close, right? But he's a three-point champion, though. Oh, okay. And I think he, I think he, he's the franchise leader in three-pointers for the Kings. Yeah. Um, so his down yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, he's cool. He's cool. You said he's having a down year for his three-point percentage, which is true, but it's at 36.8%, so not bad at all. His career average is 40% exactly mm -hmm. from three. So you love that. And I mean, especially someone who shoots as many threes as he does a game. Like he was shooting nine a game for Sacramento this season. He was shooting 10 
basically the past two seasons from 2019 to 2021 for the Kings, basically shooting 10 threes a game. So, I mean, this dude's going to get you three to four made three-pointers per game, and that's huge. So, we'll we'll see. Obviously, he's going to be a pacer the rest of the year because we're recording this after the trade deadline. But in the offseason, you know, I know teams will be knocking on the door asking about Buddy Heald. So, the team actually has some flexibility as far as assets going forward and um, can continue to build around this young core that we have headlined by Therese Halliburton Halliburton now. So um, let's move on to the final trade, which happened right before the deadline. It might've been one of the last trades of the day. We got uh, Jalen Smith in a second for Torrey Craig from the Phoenix Suns. So Torrey Craig reunites with his team that he was on last season and he and the Suns sent back their young center and Jalen Smith, who hasn't really had a chance to show what he's proved or show what he's capable of on the court. And then we get a second, right? Or did we send a second? We we were no, we guess we get the second, yeah, yeah. So cool, just stacking up some more second round draft picks, which is fine, whatever. They don't really mean much, but uh, getting a young prospect in Jalen Smith, I don't know what he's capable of. I have a few of his rookie cards, so I'm hoping for the best. Uh, do you know anything about this dude? Well, um, I think that this was a great trade for both teams. Uh, the, the Suns want to compete for a, a championship, and Torrey Craig is a guy that we've seen work with that team. Um, along with this, uh, Torrey Craig was a great guy. Uh, nothing against him. Uh, I think he had a good tenure in Indiana for what he does. But um, we're getting a guy uh, who's only, I think, 21 years old. Uh, Jalen Smith, uh, we can't forget that in 2020, he was the 10th pick in the draft. So he has tons of potential. Um, he's more of a power forward center, but um, with the amount of centers that we have on the current team, I believe we'll make room for him to play a decent amount of minutes every game, but that does worry me a little bit. And uh, But no, I'm really happy with this pickup. I think this was a great pickup for both teams. Uh, and I think maybe he has a chance to shine in Indiana. Yeah, he has goggles. He wears goggles to play basketball too. So I, I love that because it's a unique characteristic about him. Um, that's fun. He, per 36 this season, is averaging 16.5 points, 13 rebounds. So, um, I mean, you got to love the prospect that this dude is. He's six foot ten, power forward slash center, like you said. And um, I'm just like, I'm hoping the Pacers give him opportunity on the court to show what he's capable of because I mean to, like if he's good like if he's actually one of those guys where we we watch him play and it's like shoot this guy might be the power forward or our center of the future I don't know then the Pacers have a decision to make with you know Isaiah Jackson or if I know you're gonna hate that I say this but Goga Batadze too like <laughs> who are we going with going forward Miles Turner's only 25 too so like we we have young guys on this roster that could you know be a part of this young group going forward so he's going to have an opportunity to show what he's capable of and um especially with all the injuries too like there might be nights where he has 40 minutes in a game because there's no other option at big man so especially yeah. with Tory craig gone now too so um yeah i'm i'm excited enough about this i think getting Tory craig off the team makes us worse too so that's mm -hmm. fine with me so let's go let's get that draft pick you know um and that's our three trades. So Sal, you w after the trade deadline, 
how how did you feel walking away from everything that transpired? I am very excited with this team. I think we had uh, the best trade deadline of any team in the NBA besides maybe Philly and Brooklyn, if you want to count them. But um, yeah, I think that the Pacers walk away with a whole new narrative around them. Um, we're pretty much a laughing stock of the NBA for the past couple of years um, in terms of how mediocre we are and how our owner wants us to compete every single year. But um, I'm so happy we're finally going into rebuild. I've heard nothing but positive things about the Pacers deadline, especially the Halliburton trade, and uh, super excited to see uh, how far this young team can take us uh, and watch new players grow. It feels like a new cycle for me, uh, joining to watch the Pacers in 2017-18. We had that young core originally of Oladipo and Sabonis and watching them grow into stars. Uh, was really cool, and I'm excited to see a team that maybe even has more potential than that team, which I believe um, it does. So uh, watching our roster get nearly cut in half from the start of the season till now is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm looking at the 2022 mock lottery. So right now we're fifth. We're, we have 19 wins. The Thunder have 17. Houston has 15, I believe. And so we're projected fifth right now. NBA or not Houston, sorry. The Thunder of yeah, Houston has fifteen, Thunder has seventeen, we have nineteen, and then in the east the Magic have thirteen and the Pistons have twelve. They're gonna be really hard to catch up to in the draft standings because those teams are terrible. But if we can catch up with the Thunder, you know, like maybe pass the Thunder up, have the fourth best odds for the um NBA draft, like there I mean there's some real opportunity to move into one of those top three picks so right now nba draft.net has us projected drafting paolo banchero at five i don't know how he's gonna fall to five i don't know yeah, if that's that seems, possible uh, he seems like a lock for top three yeah so the top that's what i think too but the top five it's jabari according to nba draft on that uh, jabari smith Jaden ivy chet holmgren aj griffin and paolo banchero um, so yeah, I don't see him falling to five AJ Griffin from Duke, obviously, but f those five guys are exciting to me. I mean, I'd be okay with any of them going forward, but my preferred draft pick would be a Chet Holmgren or Banchero. What, what are your thoughts right now? Have you even looked th uh, through the draft yet? Well, I'm totally happy with getting anywhere from one to five. As long as you don't fall out of five, I'm pretty much okay with that. But, uh, Realistically, I don't think we have a chance at all the first pick. Uh, of course, on draft lottery night, if we do somehow uh, miraculously end up with the first pick, I'll be jumping out of my uh, shoes. But um, yeah, I mean, I just hope we get a forward uh, in the draft. Um, but if Ivy is there and we have like a shot at the best player available, uh, I think we should go based on talent. Uh, yeah, Ivy, Ivy looks like an NBA player already it's crazy his shot selection everything his talent speed movement he is he is an NBA player playing at Purdue right now it, it blows my mind so if you're a Purdue fan listening I got to give you credit you got a real player there I'm not a Purdue fan at all but I really like this kid Jaden Ivey um I can say that as an IU fan too because we beat Purdue this year and I feel okay doing that so uh Jabari Smith too like 
not a bad player at all. Like that is an NBA player. He's ready to go right into the league. So three of the top five guys are power forward slash centers. There's a good chance we get a good piece going forward. If we can stick at this spot, I know the Spurs are trying to catch up now with some of the moves they've made. And, um, I think Sabonis is going to help us out and move the Kings yeah. up a little bit too. So I think we're okay there. But then, like, the Trailblazers are clearly tanking. Um, and we'll just have to hold a few teams off. But I, I think the Pacers at this point know what they're doing enough to where we're going to be safe in that top five. Yeah, I believe so too. Yeah, at least for lottery projections. So we've talked about all the trades. I mean, we have a brand new roster now at this point. We lost five guys, but five guys that – were important parts of this Pacers team, which was Sabonis, Lavert, Holiday, um, uh, Lamb, and oh, Tory Craig. Yeah, so like all five of those five of those guys, important parts of our rotation, win healthy. But yeah, so now we have a brand new team, brand new identity. And Sal, we talked about this before. Like we we have in our heads like who our best players are now on our roster from top to bottom but we're going to do a segment now where sal me and you we've already ranked our favorite players now just based on feel right now and like i don't know if i'm if i'm explaining that right but basically me and sal we went through the entire roster now as it sits and ranked our favorite players to our least favorite players and this has nothing to do with statistics, no analytics, nothing like that. This is all based on heart and how we feel about these players right now. So does that sound right to you? Is that how you ranked your? Yeah, that's okay. exactly how I ranked mine. That's how your list is. Okay, so how do you want to do this? You want to start from top to bottom? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll let you start because mine might be a little crazy. I don't know, but you go ahead and start. Uh, should we do like uh, how many picks in a row? Should let's, we do? let's just do let's just do one in a, one at a time for now, and okay. then uh, sure. we can put them together. At so, the end. my first favorite um, pacer is Lance Stevenson. Uh, we have a good history together um, between uh, him liking and DMing uh, me on Instagram about my work. Uh, that was pretty pretty cool, but. Uh, yeah, love watching him play. His energy, everything about him. Uh, yeah, easy pick for my favorite pacer. Yeah, I think that is a great pick. I actually went back and forth on whether or not he should be my favorite guy, my second favorite guy, I don't know. But, man, I'm going all in on the hype train. I'm, If possible, I'm getting in that conductor seat, man. My favorite pacer right now it's Tyrese Halliburton. Let's freaking go, man. I'm so I've talked myself into him so much today. I'm ready for the future with Tyrese Halliburton at the helm. And that is my favorite pacer at this moment. So hey, Lance, if you're listening, you're still in the top three. I, I like you're still one of my favorite pacers. For sure one of my favorite pacers all time. But man, right now, based on field, Tyrese Halliburton, you're my dude. So how how in the world? You of all people, especially your interaction with him today, you made that amazing highlight video on Instagram. If, if you haven't seen it, Sal has officially taken the spot as best hype video Pacers editor on social media. You know, everyone knows who the, the guy was before Sal, 
but Sal, you're number one, at least at this point. And Tyrese Halliburton loved your video. Like, how is he not your favorite pacer right now? You know, based on my history with Lance and how I've watched him for multiple seasons, I got to give him number one. But uh, following up with this, I do have Tyrese at number two. I'm so excited with what this guy's going to bring to the team and him complimenting my mixtape I made for him actually today. He he commented six minutes after I posted it, which was absolutely crazy to me. Um, But yeah, I think I'm going to love this guy. I'm... um, I've got my money together to buy his jersey. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see him, and I will be seeing him on March 26th in Toronto. Oh, let's go. So you're getting a Halliburton jersey before a Sabonis Kings jersey? Yeah, I'm going to let that wait okay. for a while. Man. I, already have, I already have four Sabonis jerseys, so... I can uh, I can wait. I'll, I'll get a Halliburton jersey first. You, you can paint one of those jerseys purple. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my second favorite player right now is Chris Duarte. I'm still all in on Duarte. I'm never going to give up on him. That's my dude. And uh, like I've said a million times already on this podcast, that core of Halliburton and Duarte going forward, I'm all about it. So let's freaking go. That's number two. Who do you have at three? Um, I got to go with my boy, uh, my Canadian boy, O'Shea Brissett. <laughs> Even if he's having a down year, well, it's not really his fault. But um, I gotta, I gotta respect him. One of the, he's the only pacer I've seen live, except for Corey Joseph. And um, yeah, O'Shea, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, potentially starting at the power forward for us now. Uh, we sh- we'll probably see that tomorrow, maybe. But um, yeah, yeah, he. I mean it. Couldn't have gone better for him, at least this trade deadline. You know, he is one of the few guys left that's healthy, first of all, but one of the few healthy big men, too, left on this roster. And, um, yeah, like you said, he's probably our power forward starting in the at least foreseeable future. And, I mean, we get to see what he's capable of a little bit more, which, as you know, as much as we've watched him, we're both, I'm sure, assuming that he's going to be great. So O'Shea Brissett, great pick. He's not three for me. I have Lance Stevenson here at three because, you know, everything you said about Lance, he's the best. I love that Indiana is so important to his skill on the court. When you are connected that much to a city and a team, you know, like that, at, at least as a fan seeing that and, you know, how connected he is to the team that I love, like I'm automatically going to love this dude. And I have him at three based on the field today. If you asked me two days ago, he'd probably be two behind Sabonis. But, I mean, Halliburton and Duarte have officially moved up the ranks and bumped Stevenson down to three. So who do you have? Let's just go four and five now. All right. I have Isaiah Jackson at number four and Chris Duarte at number five. Um, I'm, if you know me, I'm very high on uh, Isaiah Jackson, uh, 21 years old. Um, so much potential in my eyes. Uh, he could be there our next center of the future. And, uh, I just love his defensive energy, uh, how he carries himself. Um, and yeah, he seems like he's having a fun time out there always. And that's something that I want to see out of a favorite player of mine. Love it. And who'd you say was five? Uh, and, uh, Chris Duarte, obviously you just talked about him, but, um, yeah, I like him. Uh, he's pretty cool. Um, good scorer. <laughs> 
I don't really know what else to say about him other than I wasn't a fan of him on the day we drafted him. But uh, he's warmed up to me a bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, excited for his future as well. Yeah, the defensive intensity with him and Halliburton is going to be exciting. And it's, it's yes. going to be like those Oladipo, uh, I guess, Brogdon like peak defensive days it's hard to say but this one's going to be more fun because they're younger and um there's a ton of excitement there behind that age so i have tj mcconnell at four because i'm never going to stop loving tj mcconnell i don't even care if he's not healthy right now that's my fourth favorite player on this pacers roster and then i'm going to have your canadian brother o'shea Brissett at five for everything that you said O'Shea Brissett is just, you know, kind of a diamond in the rough for the Pacers, at least like the way we found him from the G League, picked him up, gave him an opportunity. He was thriving immediately towards the end of last season. And, you know, as a fan base, you love that kind of stuff. So I'm still all in on O'Shea Brissett. He's number five for me. Who are your sixth and seventh now, Sal? Um, Kiefer Sykes and Miles Turner are my sixth and seventh. Um Kiefer, a bit of a surprise here. For uh, I don't think you expected that, but um, Kiefer Sykes, absolutely love his story. He's a 28-year-old rookie. He is definitely under six feet, and um, yeah, he is an awesome player to look at. Uh, he's very inspirational. I watched his documentary uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's, it's very inspiring where he came from and how his journey to the NBA was super hard, um, and uh, also him... Again, commenting on my Instagram, thanking me for my work, and his mother following me on Instagram. Pretty cool. Yeah, shout out. That's awesome. Um, and then you have Turner at your yeah, next Yeah, and then I have Miles. Um, I mean, he's kind of confused me a little bit this season with some of his mixed uh, messages. Um, I mean, probably like one of his highlights for this season was either getting 42 points against the Wizards or um, spitting game to a girl on TikTok. I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Miles been a Pacer since I've been a fan, and uh, I guess excited to see what he can do. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't just stay the same like usual. But uh, maybe he has a new role in the offense that uh, we can expect higher production from him. I am not gonna have him in my next two spots. I actually have Malcolm Brogdon and Isaiah Jackson at six and seven. Brogdon, I love what he is able to do on the court. I don't love how much he's hurt. But I think he's going to be an awesome mentor for our two young guys going forward. And I just love the the way he plays bully basketball and can control the team when he's healthy and playing um, in the rotation. So I, I have Malcolm Brogdon here. Just I got to respect his game. He's so talented. So he's number six. And then I have Isaiah Jackson, like I said, at seven. Just he's young, and I love his prospect going forward. So, Sal, let's move on to the next two. Who do you got? I got TJ McConnell and TJ Warren, the, the two TJs. Um, McConnell, uh, basically everything you said, um, but uh, I love the way he plays basketball, plays defense, goes for steals. He's an annoying defender. And I try to mo- model some of my personal game in basketball after his. Originally, I modeled my game after Justin Holiday and TJ McConnell, but I guess in terms of Pacers now, it's only TJ McConnell. But uh, yeah. And then for TJ Warren, um, one of the should have been bubble MVP, um, but we haven't really seen him play since then. Only four games in the regular season, so um, 
I guess I can say I'm excited to see him come back, but he's not going to come back this season. Um, I ha- I'm optimistic that he re-signs, but um, after acquiring Buddy, Buddy Heald, I'm not too sure. But I think um, TJ Warren is very open to staying in Indiana. He knows he owes it to the fans to come back. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess I can say I'm excited to see him in a Pacers uniform if he does come back. I got. I'm gonna tell you something real quick. He doesn't owe me anything, TJ. If if you want to go, don't feel like you owe me time on the court. Just go do your thing. At this point, it doesn't even matter to me. You you served the Pacers well during the bubble, and that's pretty much it. But uh, yeah, I mean. Look, you don't owe us anything. Just you go do your thing. We'll save some money in the process. If you want to sign a veterans minimum, let's go. We'll we'll spend our money elsewhere. But I have next Miles Turner and then TJ Warren. And everything you said about Miles is what I, I feel. I mean, his defensive intensity is great, but I also just don't think he wants to be a pacer anymore. So I just have him at what? This is eight at my eighth spot, just as a sign of respect for all the time he's put in for the Pacers. I'm not going to like say I'd rather or say that I like, I don't know, someone like Goga Batadze over Miles Turner because <laughs> I, I don't think that's even possible at this point with how long Miles Turner's been a pacer. So at this moment, I have Turner at eight and then TJ Warren at nine. Exactly. this. I mean, that's based on the exact same stuff as Miles Turner. Like I, I know what TJ Warren's capable of when he's healthy. And I had some of my highest highs as a Pacers fan during that bubble. So I'm going to go with TJ Warren at nine because of that. And then let's just kind of like speed through the rest. So give me your next few. If you feel like they all go together, if you have one that you really want to talk about, we can stop and talk about them. But like, who do you have it? 10 to whatever. I'll give you my 10, 11 and 12. Okay. Um, Ricky Rubio, uh, 10, if you want to even call him a pacer. But for me, he is right now. Um, he was just a beast for me in fantasy until he got injured, so that's the only reason he's up this high. So, um, yeah, good on you, Ricky Rubio. It was pretty cool. Uh, not cool, sorry. I'm going to change that word. It was um, – I don't even know how to describe it, but he did injure himself on like a 27-point triple-double or something crazy. So maybe uh, impressive – on his performance, but yeah, not impressive go. on his injury. Um, Dwayne Washington and Terry Taylor are my next two guys. Uh, both young guys that have shown out for us this season. Um, six five center in Terry Taylor and uh, <laughs> sharpshooting shooting guard for Dwayne Washington. That's all I got to say. Yeah, Terry Taylor is not a center, but he has been asked to play center, and he's been okay in those spot starts. Actually really good at times. Really um, good, yeah. So – my next three, I have Buddy Heald. Just, I, I loved him at Oklahoma. I know that was years and years and years ago, but um, him at Oklahoma and then all the money he's made me on four-plus made threes <laughs> on FanDuel, I, I really enjoyed this dude as far as money goes. <laughs> I am curious to see what he can offer to this Pacers team going forward, but I have him at 10, and then I'm going to go with the GOAT at 11, GOAT Gobatadze. I don't know if he's good, going to be honest, but I love him. I think he has the perfect name for basketball. I think he has the perfect intensity for basketball. He just needs to learn to harness it a little bit. And I think all of those days playing 1v1 against TJ Leaf has has hindered him even to this day. 
because there's times where he, you know, tries to score under the basket and throws it off the bottom of the rim. I, I don't know. I, I If he can figure out how to score under the basket consistently, keep his head cool, and then learn to play defense in a five-man unit, then who knows? He could have some real potential going forward. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to his potential. Maybe I'm the only one left doing so. But I have him at 11, and then Dwayne Washington at 12 for everything you said. Who do you have next? I'd just like to add on that I'm surprised you didn't have Gogo way higher for the amount of time you give to talk about him it's a, but, at this point it's just a shtick i i love goga <laughs> more than most people but that doesn't mean he is a top 10 favorite pacer for me <laughs> 13 to 14 i got buddy healed um i don't really know what to say about him okay. but he can shoot the lights out so that's good in my books and then i have malcolm brogdon i like his game on the court but nothing else about him so <laughs> Uh, that's why he earns that spot. The next two I have are Terry Taylor and then Kiefer Sykes. I had Dwayne Washington, Terry Taylor, and Kiefer Sykes in a row. At least as far as I'm concerned, I got to have Dwayne Washington and Terry Taylor higher because they're younger. Kiefer Sykes has been really exciting at times, but I mean, Washington and Terry Taylor have had their moments too. So I think all three of those guys are, you know, Type, those types of players where they're out of nowhere and a ton of fun to watch kind of like O'Shea Brissett so I think all three of those guys have potential to move up this list in the future because I think they're going to have roles on this Pacers team going forward um, let's move on to the next how many do you have left or was that your whole list I have three more left okay um, I'm going to put um, Jalen Smith at it's Jalen not Jaden right Jalen Okay, uh, Jalen Smith, um, because he's a good prospect. That's and he's a top ten pick, so kind of excited to see him. Like actually excited, not just saying that. And then um, I have Goga because he's bad at basketball, <laughs> and then uh, Tristan Thompson because he's a little too sassy for Indiana. I think. Yeah, that's good. I didn't include Jalen Smith, but I'm gonna slide him in here because he's definitely above this next tier. So I have Jalen Smith next just based on potential and age. Then I'm going to go Ricky Rubio because he'll never be a pacer. After that, I'm going to go Monte Ellis because you got to respect all the time he's put in with this Pacers organization at this point, (laughs) so he can't be last on my list. I'm going to go Reggie Perry. I've never seen him play for the Pacers. I know that he's played one game in 10 minutes. I wasn't watching that game. I couldn't tell you one thing about him. So Reggie Perry. And then finally, I'm going to go Tristan Thompson because – he just he thinks he's better than the Pacers at this point, and you hate to see it. So it's, you know, the way Paul George left was with that same mentality. And as far as I'm concerned, man, Tristan Thompson, you don't mean a thing to me. Just go ahead and leave. It won't affect my sleep at all. So well, that's he, my list. He showed up to practice today. I saw, know? yeah, and there's a picture and of him. He did and a post game. He did a post media interview or whatever. <laughs> He's just talking like the exact opposite of what he said when he got traded. He's like, yeah, I love it here. I'm like a veteran and all this other random crap. And <laughs> like, come on, man. Well, that's interesting. Maybe maybe the Pacers said, because I think he's making nine something million this year. Maybe they said they're yeah. only willing to pay out like two million the rest of the season. So I, I'd be curious to see what that would be. And I 
if he was bought out, like, where would he even fit in playoff contenders, you know? Because, like, you can go to the Lakers, but they're not a contender, you know? So, I, I don't know. I was looking through, like, the best teams, and no one really needs Tristan Thompson because if you have a decent big man, then if you have like if you add Tristan Thompson to that, he's not going to play in the playoffs for you because he can't shoot free throws and he can't shoot. All he does is rebound. So I mean, I I don't really know where his fit is if he gets bought out, other than like a play-in team. Well, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I can't really think of a team. I was going to say the Suns, but then I was like, oh, now they have. Well, they have JaVale, yeah, Bismack. They secured Bismack, who's a pretty decent player to pick up off 10-day. And I think he's probably better than Tristan Thompson. Probably, right now, so. yeah. And DeAndre Ayton, obviously. like yeah. He's your final five minutes big man because he can play in those final five minutes. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, JaVale McGee's been a revelation for that team too. But, like, maybe the Nets? Maybe? Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and Drummond. You can't can't sub out Drummond. Oh, like, I forgot Drummond's there. You're right. Never mind. Yeah. They're, they're they're totally fine on big men. I can't. And Claxton. Oh, dude. And I love Claxton. I forgot he was there too. So look, if I knew Drummond was available in the trade market, I, I gave plenty of faux trades for Andre Drummond just in, in a joking way. I didn't think the Sixers would be dumb enough to get rid of him, but Man, if I knew he was available, I would have made a real push to get him on the Pacers. Um, but yeah, I I I don't know who the big men or who Tristan Thompson could slide into if he gets bought out. So maybe he will be a Pacer the rest of the year. We'll we'll see. It seems like he's going to play tomorrow. Yeah, Rick well, said he is. Yeah, f- tomorrow being Friday the eleventh, and it, you're yeah. probably listening to this podcast on Friday. On Friday the eleventh. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, just remember that. Go rewind now, start the podcast over and just remember that. So you can just, you know, follow along with the way we're talking. Um, and then I, the Celtics, they just added Daniel Tice today. Right. So, I, and they have Robert yeah. Williams. So yeah, there's no, there's no real spots for this dude. Guess he's just going to be on a losing team the rest of the year. I hope he's okay with that. I have a couple more interesting things. If you'd like to hear them, dude, I would like nothing more than to hear those interesting things. All right. So Tory Craig is going to be the first player in NBA history to play with every single holiday brother. Um, you got drew holiday on the bucks. You got Justin holiday on the Pacers and you got the newly acquired son, Aaron holiday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is he going to play for the Suns? It seems like they're well, just going to like, he's on the team. It's, he's on the team. Okay. Now. Okay. It seems like they're um, just like, getting him on the team just to get rid of him. Yeah. And then another interesting thing is Sabonis saying that his whole career, he's been looking for a franchise that loves him. And he says, he's finally found that finally in quotation marks in the Kings acting, you know, he's my favorite player ever, but you can't act like we didn't love him for five years. Hey, he's... I think that's a little disrespectful. No, it is, <laughs> but he's saying what he needs to say right now, because those Kings fans, hate that they traded Tyrese Halliburton away yeah there was the picture that I, I don't know if you shared it or someone else did but it I've was seen it it was the people holding up the posters and one of them said uh, w- welcome to hell Sabonis and the <laughs> yeah. rest of the posters there's like six more and they're all like we want Halliburton why'd you trade Halliburton basically and like Sabonis came into the the Kings organization 
like already with a target r- right between his eyes. I, they were not ready to like him. So he needs to come in and say exactly the the perf- the exact perfect statements. Can't mess up at all. Like has to say everything f- a fandom would want to hear. And I, f- I feel like he's going about this the right way. He knows that we loved him. I hope I hope he does at least. Um, because we did. And I, I, I hope nothing but the best for him. I hope he averages 23, 14, and 5 the rest of the year too for these uh, Sacramento Kings. And I hope they can make some noise in at least the play-in tournament. So we'll, we'll see. But Yeah. And um, as the part-time Kings fan that I am, I actually loved the – fit with him and Chemezi Metu yesterday. I was watching, I was like, wow, this this Chemezi guy's pretty nice. Threw down some nice he was nice backdoor cutter for Sabonis. Uh lob threat I didn't even know. Got an insane snatch block, which was definitely a goaltend, but they didn't call it. Yeah. And turns out I watched Chemezi Metu live when at the same day I watched O'Shea Brissett. So it's my oh. fa- second favorite king now. Um well no Justin Holiday. Oh right, sorry. Third favorite king. Yeah. Yeah, don't have to mention Jeremy Lamb. So that's okay. We we know where you stand on Jeremy Lamb. I think everyone who's a Pacers fan had the same thought on Jeremy Lamb. But yeah, I I uh, I I am really excited for De'Aaron Fox's prospect going forward with Demonis Sabonis. I think that can only be a good thing. So I, I know the Kings got a good player, two-time All Star, and Demonis Sabonis, and someone who can be a great facilitator, scorer when they need points, and rebounder for a long time if he's if he sticks around for a long time at least so I think that was a good pickup for them mostly because we got Tyrese Halliburton out of it but I mean it's gonna work Kings fans if you're even listening it's gonna work so don't worry about it Sabonis is a guy that's gonna win you games all right Sal let's talk about the rest of the NBA trade deadline because there were some big moves headlined by James Harden and Ben Simmons getting swapped between Philly and Brooklyn but other than that, or I mean, we can talk about that too, but what were some of the moves that stood out to you and could be serious game changers in the NBA? I'm not too sure what the Mavs were thinking, trading Porzingis to the Wizards for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertens. No clue what was going through Mark Cuban's head. I know that both Spencer Dinwiddie and Mark Cuban are obsessed with NFTs. So um, actually, I think they were seen a few days ago at an NFT um, art gallery, whatever that is, but uh, I don't know. They're best buddies, so I guess he gave him Porzingis for that. It's a bunch of and, people huddled um, around a computer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, replaced Montrez Harrell with Porzingis, who went to the Hornets for basically nothing. Ish Smith, Wizards legend, is back in Washington. And um, who else did they get? Do you know? No, I think is I think that's it. Vernon Vernon Carey. Oh, Vernon, Vernon Carey, Carey, yeah. Uh, and a second round pick, I believe. Um, it's just funny because uh, one of my friends was talking about, yeah, the Wizards are going to get Sabonis for um, Montrez, Denny, and a first. And um, he's a big Denny of Dia fan. And uh, he was lowballing Sabonis to me. And then I, when they traded uh, Sabonis for um, Halliburton, I was like, oh, yeah, the Pacers definitely going to do a move with the Wizards uh, for Sabonis. So. Uh, I cannot stand Montrez Harrell. Either can I. (laughs) The worst ball stopper there is in the NBA. And Dinwiddie's kind of like that too. So maybe they're thinking Dinwiddie off the bench, their third ball handler. They already have Jalen Brunson and Luka. So maybe bring Dinwiddie off the bench, kind of fill that sixth-man role. 
and uh, Davis Bertans, maybe they're just trying to revive him a little bit. I don't know. I, well, their starting center is Dwight Powell, and their backup center is Davis Bertans. Okay, so I, I don't know <laughs> what they're doing. Like, I love Dwight Powell, so I I think they're just trying to you know get. If you watch Porzingis play, he's like four feet behind the top of the three point line. Always, it makes no sense why he plays the way that because he, he's seven foot three and massive, and it's like, dude, why are you doing these like deep threes? Why? What are you doing right now? So, I think they just wanted that off their team, and getting two guys who I think they probably just believe they can revive Bertans a little bit, and then Dinwiddie just wasn't wanted in Washington. I think there was a moment where he was trying to be a voice in the locker room and no one responded well to it. Um, His teammates said that they didn't even want him on the team. Yeah, that's so crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully it goes better for him in Dallas. The NFT thing's interesting. I, I didn't know that. Halliburton, yeah. he's a he's a big NFT-er. I learned. Yes, he is. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it with Jeremy, who's a Sacramento Kings fan here after this segment. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, weird trades all around. The Harden-Simmons one, though, I think honestly makes both teams better. I agree. Especially since Ben Simmons is now going to play. And, like, the thing you need if you have Kyrie Irving is a defender, or if you have James Harden, is a wing defender who can kind of protect you on defense. And I don't know how many games Kyrie's going to be able to play in the playoffs. If I guess if the Nets make the playoffs, which I I can't imagine they won't at this they point. Will. Yeah, I think they're no the worry. eighth seed currently. I have a question for you. Would you like to guess what number Harden will wear in Philly now that uh, Wilt Chamberlain has retired? Thirteen. He just announced what number he's going to use. So. Oh, just now. Yeah. Man, let's see. I'm trying to think. Did he wear another number anywhere? No. He wore thirteen in OKC, huh? Yeah. I'm going to guess double zero. One. Okay, that's very strategic because one is a slimming number. If you're wearing a jersey, it <laughs> makes you look thinner. It's a real thing. I don't know why I guess double zero because that makes you look bigger, and he definitely doesn't want I think this is a strategic thing for him. He's going to like yeah. try I guarantee you he's wearing a couple layer of Spanx. And gonna wear a number one jersey and just like trick everyone into thinking that he automatically got in shape out of nowhere, like he always does. So that that makes sense. I should have guessed that, man. That was so obvious. Okay, number one, good good for him. Sal, any closing thoughts before we jump off and move into the next segment with Jeremy? Everyone, be excited for Pacers basketball. That's all I have to say. Heck yeah, I love it. Uh, and I take that back. We're actually gonna talk to Mike right now. All right, now I'm joined by a buddy of mine, Mike, who's a diehard Cavaliers fan. If you've listened to this podcast in the past, you may have heard an episode that we did together, I think before the season started, this 2022 season. Um, just talking about the Cavaliers and Pacers a little bit. I guess they, or it was during the season because a game had just been played. But um, yeah, we're going to talk about this Karis LeVert trade that happened, our reactions, and what this trade means for both the Pacers and the Cavaliers going forward. But before we do that, Mike, how's it going? It's good. Thanks for having me back, Jack. Uh, happy to be back on and um, extremely thrilled with how my Cavs are 
playing was definitely not expecting this. So fun time. It's I'm sure you're having a blast over there. Yeah, definitely unexpected, but uh, I'll take it. Garland, he's in the MVP conversation now. And I mean, Mobley, he's rookie of the year. He puts on some weight. He's Embiid more athletic and can shoot. Let's talk about this Karis Levert trade. Levert answers a lot of problems for the Cavaliers. Someone who can create on offense off the bench. He was starting for the Pacers because we didn't really have much um, of a, another spot for him on the Pacers. But now he's you know the type of player who should be in that six-man role like Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams in the past like we've seen. He's a guy who can come in off the bench, be a spark plug, create his own shot, get open, and... Um, that answers a ton of questions for the Cavaliers who were kind of putting Rubio in that role before the injury. And Rubio wasn't really a shot creator either, shooting really well from three, but he's out. The Cavaliers have still been playing really well without him, but now they add Levert to the mix. And I mean, this is just, to me, a clear, you know, uh, calling out from the Cavaliers organization like, hey, we're here to compete and we think we have the pieces now. Is, is that kind of what your take was when the trade happened? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it really shows that we're here to win. Um, although we're a young team, we have something special in that locker room. Kevin Love said it, and he's been around the league for a decade plus. And, you know, he said this team's special. And, you know, the GM, the coach, they all have bought in. Bringing Levert here, remember, he played with Allen in Brooklyn. Uh, so they already have that kind of mojo connection going forward. Uh, and Levert brings that off the bench he was averaging, I think, 18-plus points for you guys. Um, and if we can have that, give Garland a rest, um, and then at the end of the game have both of them in together, uh, it's a two-headed beast. And I think um, he fits perfectly with this culture. He's a younger guy uh, with Noah Allen, as I mentioned. I think uh, it's going to work out well. Time will tell, um, but I, I really like it. Keeps the buzz for Cleveland as well. Yeah, the creation aspect of his game is exactly what you want, especially as like a six man off the bench. His, you know, his skills with this Pacers team this year just it didn't totally blend. I never this this might sound crazy, but I never really felt like he was a Pacer. And even like with the way he came to Indiana, we traded it was this, you know, the Oladipo James Harden trade. We ended up with Levert from Brooklyn and had kidney had found a growth in his kidney. Um Pacers, you know, waded through that, like supported him the whole way. It was, it was this like super cool uh, gesture by the organization to like support this dude, not cancel his trade, just like bring him in, let him take time and uh, came back, finally got healthy, like made it through that whole situation, which was just, you know, insane as it was. But uh, then started playing for the Pacers. We were all excited at first as Pacer fans, but, you know, on the court really – took away a lot of Sabonis' opportunities, which when Sabonis is on the court, you want the ball going through him, who's no longer a pacer, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment. But, um, you know, just wasn't what we wanted in Indiana, and it's not his fault. It's just the way that he plays didn't blend with this organization, but I think it blends really well with the Cavaliers. So let's talk about, like, long-term what this means for the Cavaliers, who already have a really strong young core in Garland, Jared Allen, and Mobley. Do you consider Sexton in that young core? What's like the talk from the Cleveland Cavaliers fan base on Sexton? 
Um, I think it's still questionable. You know, the guy shows spurts here and there of being a leader, creating his own shot. Um, but that field goal percentage is still uh, to be determined. Um, had this injury. We'll see how he comes back. I mean, and how he gels with this team. This team has been playing together almost the whole season together. He might not just have a piece of the pie. We, we don't know. So I think um, it's still TBD. Um, but like you mentioned, this Eastern Conference is so close. I mean, we're one game out of first place. And the sixth seed, Toronto, is four games out. So uh, we can't sacrifice figuring out if Sexton fits. You lose a couple games, and blink of an eye, you're in that 7-8 playing game. So, uh, yeah, it, it's still TBD, but we'll see what happens. So right now, Rajon Rondo's been filling in in a lot of those minutes that you would expect Colin Sexton to get. You know, like, his minutes are definitely going to dip a little bit with Karis LeVert coming in because they are such similar players. Um, I don't know if he starts with Isaac Okoro coming onto the scene too. I, I don't know how this Sexton stuff works out. It would have been uh, a great opportunity for the Cavaliers to make another move if Sexton was healthy. I, I know they still could have traded him during this, but I'm sure teams backed off just a little bit. I don't know if they wanted to deal him or not either. I don't know the, the word on the street there. but I don't think his value is very uh, attractive at this point. What are your hopes for the Cavaliers now? Like, can you see this as a championship team, or is this still a few years away? What What are your thoughts? Um, I would say it's a little less than a few years, maybe a year or two away. Um, in all honesty, you know, the hopes going into this year was just be, you know, 500 team and continue to grow, see what pieces and parts, see what we have in Mobley. And we're, we're growing and gelling um, so quickly. I think we're a dangerous team for our – anybody in the playoffs, like you mentioned, um, I'd go toe to toe with Miami. Who's the one seed right now. Um, it's all going to come down to, you know, playoff basketball injuries, who's hot, everything like that. I have a lot of faith in Bickerstaff. Um, I just love the locker room and how united we are. We're so young, but we have that Kevin love piece and you could just tell by, uh, his play, how he's just loose and, uh, arguably one of the best locker rooms he's been in in a Cleveland Cavaliers uniform. I mean, even when LeBron was here, you know, we had J.R. Smith throwing soup at one of the coaches. <laughs> we had, you know, all sorts of stuff going on, right? Uh, the whole Kyrie Irving thing. Um, and Love was just always that kind of outside looking in kind of guy at that point because all the eyes were on LeBron and Kyrie and everything. Um, then he had that injury against Boston, so that kept him out of the playoffs one year um, and never really bounced back. So I think he's kind of rejuvenated. Um, so I could see us maybe second round of the playoffs. Um, but then, you know, the veterans might just you know, outsmart us, outplay us. But then uh, you got to get there and know what it takes to win, as LeBron said. Um, and I think that's what this team will do, and they'll just continue to grow and um, play better. As it stands right now, you're the fourth seed, and the 76ers are the fifth seed. First round of the playoffs, if this is the matchup, I mean, obviously at this point you make the playoffs, you avoid the playing games, which is just great, you know, as it is. But – the 76ers could be a really good team now. You know, add James Harden to the mix, have really good defenders. And, I mean, do you think that's one of those teams that the Cavaliers can compete with? Or is it different tiers? You know, because I, I don't watch every game of the Cavaliers. I really haven't watched many games of the Cavaliers this year. I, maybe a handful if they're on TV. But, um, you know, I, I don't know fully about this, which is why I wanted to talk to you about this trade too, as it as it is. But... As far as like how they match up with the 76ers, 
I, I don't know. What, what's that look like for you? Because, you know, Joel Embiid at center, but you have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley to answer that. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would say uh, you'd have to run a combo, Allen and Mobley together to kind of bang around Embiid. Um, and Okuro, I mean, he's showing such promise on the defensive end. Uh, he doesn't even need to score. Just like Garland scored. You just focus on defending Harden. Um, and who knows how that is going to mesh in uh, Philly. You know, wherever Harden goes, they only played, I think I saw 16 games together because of injuries or Kyrie's was out, you know, all that. So it seems like wherever Harden goes, there's always issues. And Embiid is a big personality as well. So let's see if he's getting some not as many touches with the ball, not as many shots, not as many points. It could cause friction. You never know. So with such a big-time deal. Um, but matchup-wise, like I mentioned, I mean, we're dangerous with anybody, but you let Embiid control you down low, it's tough. to, And no team can really hang with him. Um, so it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Uh, I just – you know, when we had this run early on, I just wanted to avoid the play-in game. Now it's like, shoot, we have a chance to win this <laughs> the Eastern Conference now. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. I want to keep it going, and uh, hopefully we just stay healthy, um, and we'll take on anybody. Love it, man. Yeah, one game behind the number one seed Heat, like you said, tied with the Bulls at the three seed, and uh, only a half game behind the Bucks, who are two. So, I mean, insane run by the Cavaliers this year, especially, you know, like everyone's dealt with, injuries and COVID this season in the NBA, but you lost a ton of time from Colin Sexton, who's only played 11 games this year, and you lost Ricky Rubio to injury, and, you know, it still worked. You had this um, amazing draft pick in Mobley, who's just really held this team afloat in a lot of ways with his intangibles, but Garland and Jared Allen stepping up, both of whom should have been all-stars. I know Garland was the only one, but, um, man, fun team, and it's a team that is you know, someone that I'm going to want to root for this season, especially since I won't have a dog in the race in the playoffs. So you got a fan over here in me. Um, but man, going forward, like how many years until you think this team reaches its potential? What are the pieces you think going forward need to stick around? Is it just those three that I mentioned? Uh, yeah, I'd say two years away. Um, you know, barring injury, Garland's had some back issues, which is a little concerning being that young and having back issues. They say it's not much, but uh, when you're creating your own shots and scoring as much as he does, uh, something to uh, keep your eye on. He's missed a few games this year. Uh, yeah, I would say two, three years. Let Mobley put on some weight. Let him continue to learn the NBA game and just get taught up by those the Kevin Love guys, Jared Allen. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun going forward. Dude, I love it. Well, I uh, hope you treat Karis LeVert well. Um, we will treat Ricky Rubio's contract well, um, <laughs> although we probably won't ever see him as a pacer. But, um, man, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you about the NBA. And um, go Cavaliers. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, we appreciate the support. For sure, man. Well, have a great night. Thanks. All right, so now I'm joined by a buddy of mine, Jeremy, from – living in San Diego right now, but a diehard Sacramento Kings fan. And Jeremy, I just wanted to bring you on because a lot of Pacer fans might not know exactly what we're getting back for this Sabonis deal. And we're going to go over exactly what was involved in all of that here in a second. But um, I wanted to bring you on just to talk about what this trade means for the Pacers, especially, but then also like what it means for the Kings going forward. And Jeremy, first of all, I just want to say thanks for 
coming on the podcast today. My and, pleasure, absolutely. The Pacers traded Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb to the Sacramento Kings for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and the potentially the ghost of Tristan Thompson. Yes. I mean, on at, my initial thought from that was, I can't believe we just traded Sabonis. When I saw Halliburton was there, I definitely got a little more excited and uh, didn't feel as like bummed about the whole trade. But losing Sabonis was a big deal. But Jeremy, for you, like, what were your initial thoughts, reactions? So we knew that the Kings were stuck in no man's land. Like, our, we had good pieces, but the pieces didn't fit together. We we had gaping holes all across the board. We had three people who primarily play point guard, and they're all in different ways, good at different things. And so it's like, when I saw that we were getting Sabonis, I was like, okay, like that is awesome. That's good. But then when I saw that it was Halliburton that we were giving up, I was like, oh, that that is a that is a heart punch because Halliburton is like a great human being, a great basketball player. And he is just so fun to watch that like initially I, I was shocked at first. I mean, I, I understood the trade. I understood why there was a need to make a move but if I could have kept somebody I would have loved to have kept Halliburton you guys are getting an amazing an amazing player and human being all right there in one person so I hope he thrives there yeah and I saw too when De'Aaron Fox has been out the past what couple weeks yeah Halliburton's averaging 19 and 11 or something like that in assists uh, and then shooting 41% from three for a career for his career shooting. The weird thing about Halliburton is the numbers do not tell the full story on him. Like his numbers are great, but even then, like the thing about Halliburton is he is an incredibly smart guy who understands the game. And like, what you really want out of a point guard is someone who can not only like run set plays, but sees the floor, sees what's going to happen. Um, he has like, he has, I, I'd have to look it up, but he has a really weird stat where he's both really good at blocking three point shots and getting steals. Uh, and so like, you know, which is odd for a, uh, for a combo guard. Um, yeah. yeah. He had a game. So his last game as a, um, as a King, he had 17 assists like two games before that Halliburton had 38 points. So he's an incredibly versatile player. The, the, the cool thing about him is like, it doesn't really matter what pieces you put around him. His game just meshes super well with other players. If you need him to carry, like a carry a heavy scoring load, he can do that. If you need him to be a pick and pop three point guy, you can do that. If you need him to run the offense, he can do that. And like I said, he's just, and he, he cares. Like he's still uh, he's still young enough where he, I mean um, I don't know maybe this trade will jade him a little bit but like he he poured his heart and soul into the city of Sacramento um, he got along well with everybody like there's no baggage around him no weird head case stuff uh, I I don't know what your like what the Pacers are like what their blueprint is for building in the future but it almost doesn't matter he would fit into almost any scheme or style so good good on you guys for getting him. Yeah, he's the point guard of the future now, it seems. Um, I, we still have Malcolm Brogdon, who we can't trade until the offseason. And at this point, it's 3.20 Eastern time when we're recording this right now. So the trade deadline's passed. I don't think the – well, I mean, the Pacers have made some other moves, which we're going to talk about, uh, I guess, already on this podcast by this point. But, um, yeah, it all is pointing towards Halliburton being one of the main 
two or three core guys going forward for the Indiana Pacers. Point guard of the future, like you said, blocking three-point shots, has that long wingspan, six-foot-five point guard, too. Going to slide in really nicely with Chris Duarte. That backcourt, the defense back there is going to be insane. Maybe not like a Davion Mitchell plus anybody else in the NBA level of defensive backcourt, but, man, I'll tell you what, I love the the activeness, awareness from those two defensively and I mean Halliburton's in his second year Duarte's in his first year and just a lot to be excited for as far as that goes in the backcourt but yeah I mean the the like I said the 41 percent three-point shooting this season for Halliburton he's only 21 years old I know the Kings fans and like the whole uh fan base in total is like losing their mind that Halliburton uh was sent to the Pacers. I actually saw a poster before the Sacramento Kings game last night on Wednesday. It was, I guess the, the guys who were calling the game, there were some people in the back with posters holding, they were holding posters up. One of them said, uh, welcome to hell Sabonis. And like all the others were like, why is Halliburton gone? We want Halliburton. And so I, I, I hope nothing but the best for our former Pacers who are now Kings. But They're, they're going to be fine. Like, Sacramento will embrace anybody who works hard and, like, and just gives a crap. Like, that's all they really care about. But that's why they hated to see Halliburton go because he worked really hard and he gave a crap. And so he, uh, he was like, you know, like everybody knew somebody like everyone knew that this core had to be blown up that somebody was going to be moved and shipped out that things were just not working but he was probably the most popular player on the kings just simply because like i said he like he's enthusiastic he smiles a lot he's goofy he uh he's into the, like you know uh, the nft space he like has a uh, really funny shorts that he wears all the time and so like it's He's just a funny guy. He's a good guy, and he happens to be a great basketball player. So your, your team's going to do well. Yeah, high character. The What it essentially boils down to is the Kings picked Darren Fox over yep. Halliburton. It could have been maybe the Pacers saying, hey, we aren't going to give you Sabonis plus this for Fox. We want Halliburton instead. And maybe the Kings just loved Demonis Sabonis that much. I don't, I don't know how this all shook out. We'll probably find out in the coming days. But – uh, essentially, as far as I'm aware, it boiled down to Darren Fox plus Davion Mitchell. His potential going forward is what the Kings are um, excited about. Plus, like, yeah, they did. You guys did lose Halliburton, but you're adding a really like, uh, I mean, two-time All Star, except for this season, but the two seasons before, and Demonis Sabonis, who's only 25, which is crazy. He's still super young, and uh peaked Sabonis like if you're utilizing him properly and if you're putting guys around him to help him succeed he should be getting 23 13 and 5 a night as far as I'm concerned um he's a point guard who plays in the paint and has I mean he's a top three I don't know back to the basket score right now in the NBA maybe Jokic and Embiid are up there but if you need a bucket under the basket Sabonis is uh, one of those top guys that you would want. I don't know how you feel about Rashawn Holmes. They do seem similar. I, obviously, Sabonis is on a different level, being a two-time All-Star, um, and just his, wh- I mean, what he thrives in. But, like, Rashawn Holmes only got 11 minutes last night. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? 
So I, I keep, I mean, I, we're recording this literally right after the trade, trade deadline has ended. So I'm, I keep wanting to see if like there's another move or like that hasn't been announced yet. You're right. I don't know if long-term the two of them, like that's a lot of money to tie up in one position because even though Rashawn's uh, home's contract is pretty decent and, you know, team friendly, it still is like, you could probably use, utilize that money better elsewhere. Uh, I haven't seen that he's been traded yet. Um, but I guess for the rest of the season, they could see if they could make it work, uh, you know, play Sabonis at the five. Rashawn does have a fairly decent um, mid-range game. Uh, he, has this, he has like this patented push shot of his that he does well. And even if they just wanted to make them, um, you know, where, the, where it was like the rotation, Sabonis starting, Holmes coming off the bench and playing heavy minutes, giving each other uh, breathers often enough. You could do that. Um, the one game, so like I, I did watch the the game last night. I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit. Like, yeah, Sabonis coming over here has just been huge for De'Aaron Fox. Like that game, like I haven't seen De'Aaron that happy. Having a guy that can actually set screens, having a guy that he can um, pick and roll with, having a guy that like frees him up. The best thing about De'Aaron Fox is that he's, not only is he lightning quick, but he's really shifty. So he not only he has really good, you know, end to end speed, but he's really good weaving in and out of traffic. So having someone that can set screens that he can just slide around over, or you know, uh, pick and pop on is going to be huge for him. And in the game that I saw last night, like, yeah, like Sabonis had like I think like 22, 14, and five, and De'Aaron had something like 28, 29 points, and you know, seven rebounds, a couple assists. It's just like without even any practice time together, the two of them just like that was some of the best playmaking. I've seen out of the Kings all year. So absolutely love Sabonis. And it makes sense because uh, Fox is 25. Sabonis is 25. They're on the same timeline. I think one of the reasons if we, I mean, once this all comes out, I'm pretty sure the reason the Pacers took Halliburton over Fox is that, you know, Halliburton's still on his rookie contract. So you still have a couple years left paying him way less than that you'd be paying Fox if you guys had taken Fox instead. So in terms of just dollar amounts, I get it, but man, it's, it is good to have a, a big guy who uh, is as versatile and skilled as Sabonis is now for us. Yeah, that duo is going to be fun going forward. Um, I think the cool part about this Kings too is there are a lot of young guys who know their roles in the NBA, and there should be a ton of back cuts and just movement on offense and putting Sabonis in that position where he can have the ball in his hands and not be a ball handler but be your point center at times. Um, I mean, that's just going to open up a ton of opportunities for the Kings and especially Darren Fox and Harrison Barnes, too. So Harrison Barnes is someone I always forget that he's on the Kings, but um, that's a fun one, too. Plus, like I've talked about kind of in and out, like Justin Holiday's a really good shooter. He was the best three-point shooter for the Pacers this season. And last season was Doug McDermott, but Justin Holiday was right there, too. Um, and then Jeremy Lamb, when he's healthy, I, he had a, a – Bad injury last season that kept him out for a lot of time. And he hasn't really been the same player since. But, I mean, he can still shoot. And as soon as, you know, like he starts getting more comfortable, um, he should be a decent role player for the Kings. And hopefully you guys can make that push for the playing game because that's clearly what the Kings are trying to do right now. Absolutely. Well, the good thing is about having, like, Lamb and Holiday is De'Aaron Fox is never going to be confused for being a great three-point shooter. Like, he can make them, but he's not great at it. So having – a couple wings that that, are, that their only job is to, you know, three and D guys, only job, play defense and hit threes. Like if that's what they excel in, that is, that is the perfect role for them on the Kings. Just play good defense, get the ball to De'Aaron, let them create, let them get it to Sabonis, let them create, 
and hit open three-point shooters. That that is that is literally the the most basic offense ever, but it's the one that we could run to perfection with this personnel. Okay, so right now as it is, the Kings are in the standings uh 12th in the Western Conference at 21 and 36. What are your expectations the rest of the season? Do you think they can make that play in game? So, the Sacramento Kings owner is a weird dude in a lot of ways. Like he does not want to have the record for like right now we we have tied the record for longest playoff drop playoff drought ever for 16 years. Wow. He does not want to have sole possession of it. So I'm pretty sure a lot of these moves were made with the intent and part is like, Hey, get us into something that counts as the playoffs, whether that's the play in game or actually making a push for the eight seed. Um, you know, like that is his main goal. So I fully expect the team to go hardcore into getting like getting the team set up. I, I you know, no ghost injuries, no, oh, we're, we're resting this guy to move up in the draft. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure we're going all in, yeah, to, to make the playoffs and break that, break that streak. So bottom five right now, 11 to 15 in the West, is the Trailblazers, Kings, Spurs, Thunder, Rockets. The Thunder and Rockets are obviously tanking for draft picks. Um, and then based on the trade deadline today, the Trailblazers who just sent away CJ McCollum and a few days ago Norman Powell, Robert Covington, a lot of their – uh, pieces there around Damian Lillard, who also doesn't look like he's going to play the rest of the season. Um, it would appear they're dropping out of uh, attempting to make the playoffs. And then the Spurs, who just traded away Derek White and Drew Eubanks, Thad Young. I mean, they still have DeJounte Murray and, you know, a couple of like Devin Vassell and uh, some of those other guys there. But it would appear that they're making moves for the future as well. Um, and it looks like the Kings can at least make it to the 11th spot in the West. The thing after that is you got to beat the Pelicans who just got CJ McCollum, the Lakers who I could see them in any minute, just, you know, resting LeBron and AD for the rest of the season. So who knows? Um, and then the Clippers who made some big moves today, the Timberwolves are in seventh, but that's your plan right there. Seven through 10. I, I, I don't know. I think the Kings can make it. You have, you've added some solid veterans um, and, you got good pieces in Sacramento that you still held on to. So we'll see how it looks going forward. I, I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, to be totally honest, I think you can get to the 10th seed with this roster. I really do. The Lakers are an absolute train wreck and going nowhere good. So that's, that spot should be available. Uh, we match up well with those other – I mean, the, those bottom feeder teams are going to try to lose – I really do think too. You're going to have a, a more motivated Kings team than typical, just to, just simply because Fox is now like been declared the man. You know, like he's got to live up to. Hey, we traded Halliburton away so that you could thrive. Now go ahead and thrive in it. I think he's got a big enough chip on his shoulder that he'll 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 embrace that. From everything I understand about Sabonis, the guy doesn't seem like he takes nights off or wants to uh, wants to rest. You know, wants to lose. So. You got two highly motivated guys there. Uh, Harrison Barnes is such a great complimentary piece. I do think, yeah, like, am I thinking like 60? No, but in terms of can we make the play in? Yeah, that, that seems reasonable. That seems like a something that could happen this year. Yeah, and you've made your roster now after the trade deadline. Uh, you have a better chance to get to that point. Um, and then who knows, get lucky a couple times. I don't know if you know this. We got rid of Marvin Bagley today. We got We shipped him off to Detroit. So in some sense, like, I don't think it's all his fault. I mean, it's, it wasn't his fault 
that the whole world knew, knew that we should have taken Luka Doncic over him. Like everyone knew that at the time, and we don't, we've all seen the results now. But like just getting him off the team to where maybe he can have a fresh start. And like there was so much negative energy around just his draft, him being on the team, him not quite living up to in his own mind the hype he thought he deserved. Like I think sometimes addition by subtraction might help us out too in this case. So we'll see. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I was super high on him in his draft. I fell victim to how good he was against the Hoosiers in college um, when he played for Duke. So I, I would have taken him over Doncic, probably just like spur of the moment guess. But I mean, I'm sure if I did the research, I would have known because if the Kings chose it, then probably any reasonable person would not have chosen it. <laughs> Except, hey, you they nailed Halliburton. They got that draft pick right, but then shipped him off to the Pacers. So... <laughs> Classic Kings in in the most Kings fashion. They got rid of their one draft pick they nailed. Absolutely. Well, I mean, if it got us the bonus, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. And um, I really like this pick up for the Pacers for the rest of the season. We'll see if Tristan Thompson's a Pacer um, here in the next few weeks. It looks like he's going to play for the Pacers tomorrow night against the Cleveland Cavaliers, which we'll get to see Karis LeVert that game. Um, New look Karis LeVert. You guys will just buy him out. If I had to guess, I you're going to so. buy out his contract and he'll go to some contender that needs like, you know, I mean, for what he, yeah, he's clearly at the tail end of his career. He's probably retiring at the end of this year, but if some, some uh, contending team needs a big body that they can throw out there for six, seven minutes a game. Sure. Yeah. You're, but you're not going to keep him around. I don't think. Yeah. You can't really play him in the playoffs either. We saw that with the Cleveland Cavaliers during the end of his tenure there. Yeah. I mean, he need, he needs to really be like the 12th man. And so if you need a 12th man, sure. Yeah. Pick him up. Well, hey, I mean, there are some contending teams or hopeful contending teams that could use a center because uh, that's not always the easiest position to come by, as we've seen. Um, well, Jeremy, I think that's about covered it all. I mean, I, I'm hoping the Kings take care of Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday. Um, and I'm always going to be a fan. I actually have a Sacramento Kings jersey in my closet. When Yogi Ferrell was there, I, I bought his jersey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We talked this whole time and we never even mentioned Buddy Heald. Uh, yeah. Which you guys picked up. So you guys are getting Buddy Heald. Now, here's the deal Buddy Heald has won it out of Sacramento for the last two years. He's made zero, uh, you know, he's, been, he's made that extremely clear, made no bones about it. Like, and so he's played like crap this whole year. Uh, he's played zero defense. He, whatever. If, if, he's now happy that he's out of Sacramento. You guys are getting an elite three point shooter who can do some things. So it, I, it's, it's entirely dependent upon whether or not he puts up forth any effort. I'm really curious to see what him and Rick Carlisle, like how they mesh and what that looks like. Cause that could be awful. Or if he's actually, you know, starts trying, Hey, you have a really good three point shooter now. So yeah, no doubt. And he's shown that he can be a capable defender. Um, but we'll, we'll see if, he has what it takes to play defense on the Pacers this season. Uh, also with Halliburton, there has been reports in the past that Carlisle is so hard on his point guards, um, almost to a fault, but just expects the most out of them. It looks like Halliburton is going to at least have a barrier in Brogdon for the time being, but if Rick Carlisle's around for the long term, which it would appear he's going to be, um, especially with his relationship with the Pacers organization, um, Halliburton could fall into you know that role where he's the coach on the floor but is also like catching the heat for everybody else on the team from Carlisle you think he has uh that in him to I guess handle that kind of relationship with his coach 
the the thing about Halliburton is is like he just wants to win and he wants to get better. So I mean, I think if Carlisle's crazy hard on him, it might adversely affect Halliburton. But the thing about Halliburton is like you can if he can't play point guard, you can put him at shooting guard no problem. And then he's just a really competent. I mean the the Kings did that for a long time, like uh, with um, with Fox and him, where they were just playing off of each other. And it's like you have two really good guards who can both pass, shoot, and uh, you know dribble. So i I could see I could see a scenario where if Carlisle is like full on hating, it breaks Halliburton. But the initial press conference, I mean, Carlisle is like more enthusiastic than I, I've seen him in a while about yeah. the players. So I, I th- honestly, I think it'll work out great. I think Halliburton, like, I mean, you've got him for the rest of his rookie contract. You'll probably extend him for the next six, seven years. You've got a piece that like, I saw somebody the other day uh, said that he's like really good chicken. It doesn't matter what side dishes you put with it. It's going to work out. And so that, that, that was kind of a weird analogy. Funny, but it, I mean, that works out. Halliburton really does work with just about any other type of player you put around. Oof, we made it. That was a full episode, I know, but I hope you gained some confidence going forward and some excitement as a Pacers fan because these pieces that we got and moved and just the direction that this Pacers team is clearly going in now, man, it gets me excited for what's to come. Thanks to Jeremy and Mike for coming on this episode of the All Pacers Pod. It's always a blast talking to guys who are longtime fans of small market teams like the Kings, Cavaliers, or Pacers. So I'm going to have to get those guys back on eventually. But as always, if you don't already subscribe to the All Pacers pod on any platform that you listen to your podcasts on, do that now. Also, check us out on Instagram at all.pacers. And until next time, I'm Jack. Peace out. You want me, Joel Embiid? Come get it, because I'm going to give it to you. Are you kidding me? Sabonis brought it to him.